Hello, people of the way, blessings in Jesus. If you have your Bible, please open up to Judges chapter 4, the book of Judges chapter 4. We continue our study through the Old Testament, and here we start in verse 1, when Ehud was dead. Now, remember, Ehud is the judge who killed Eglon last week in chapter 3. And it's very important to remember when you read, you know, like uh, uh, Judges chapter 1, 2, you see what happens when the Lord became forgotten. And, you know, we say Judges 1 and 2, but remember the end of uh, our study in the book of Joshua, where Joshua says, you know, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He says, as for you, choose for yourselves this day whom you shall serve. Point blank. He just says it. Shechem. Remember? Point blank. You know, choose for yourselves this day whom you shall serve. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And then the people respond, Joshua, we will do as you say. We're going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. And we read that. We study that. And we're like, wow, praise the Lord. This is so awesome. You turn the page. What happens? The book of Judges. They forgot the Lord. You see? When Moses gave them warning, Joshua gave them warning. And Moses, remember the, the, the final, the farewell dissertation of the, the, the farewell discourse of Moses, the book of Deuteronomy. When he tells the people, he says, listen, you guys are going into the promised land. You're going to receive the inheritance as promised by the Lord and promised unto Abraham. And you're going to go into these lands. You're going to inherit the land. The Lord is going to give it to you. But then at the same time, he says, these other peoples, these other gods that they worship, these idols that they worship, do not partake of them. Because you're, you are a consecrated people. You belong to the Lord. You are set apart for Him. And then you 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 read Deuteronomy. It's like wow, praise the Lord. You you read you read uh, 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 Judges. Wow, praise the Lord. You see Joshua. You know, choose for yourselves this day whom you shall serve. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And then the people, oh, we're on board. Joshua, we're going to serve the Lord too. And then what happens when Joshua dies? And then the elders die. They forget the Lord. And remember, the Lord is reactionary. The Lord is reactionary. And then you start to see Israel, they start to lose battles. And that's when the Lord is forgotten. But at the same time, there's something else, how the Lord responds. He raises up judges. He raises up judges. And praise be to the Lord, because, you know, when you when you last week, you see like, you know, uh, 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 these different judges that the Lord raised up. And, you know, they're you know, they're not like little kids at the at, in, in Judges three. They're not little kids. But, you know, I just reflect back and I, 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 it, I, I try to think of I wonder what their childhood was like. I wonder what it was like when they were teenagers. I wonder what it was like when they were young adults. Just like in Joshua chapter 1. And if you've been walking with us for a while, you've heard me mention this quite a bit. But I had a hard time in, in studying Joshua 1 and in teaching Joshua 1. Because I want every single one of us to lean on the promises of the Lord. But in order for us to lean on the promise of the Lord, which is a beautiful thing. There's a specific formula. 
And you look decades ago in the life of Joshua. This wasn't, you know, when Joshua chapter one, this it's not just, you know, like a, you know, you know, uh, uh, hey, Joshua, nice to meet you. Like the Lord meets Joshua for the first time and Joshua meets the Lord for the first time. And, uh, you know, Joshua, nice to meet you. And, you know, you, know, I, you go into these battles and I'm with you. No, Joshua, he's proven. He's been tested. And he's proven. You look decades prior when all Israel was defiled. Joshua wasn't. Remember the, 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 the battle that they had and Joshua was victorious in battle, but then at the top of the hill, Moses is praying and he had his hands raised up. Moses, old man Moses has his hands raised up and praying and seeking the face of the Lord and then interceding for the battle. And then all of a sudden, you know, they would be victorious on the battlefield led by Joshua. And then Moses, he's old man, his arms get tired and they start to fall down. And every time his hands came down, they would start to lose the battle. Israel would start to lose the battle. You see? And then you have the guys come to his side and they raise up Moses and they like hold his hands up for him. And then Israel wins the battle led by Joshua. Remember our study in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And here we are in Judges 4. It's like, oh my goodness, what happened? And then you consider Joshua like, wow, you know, the Lord says in Joshua 1, I'm with, do not be afraid, I'm with you. Be strong and courageous, I am with you. Beautiful, beautiful promises. But you look decades prior, when all Israel was defiled, Joshua wasn't. When all Israel wanted to kill Caleb and Joshua. No, the Lord was with them. They were the, the only two that stood for the Lord of the generation that had passed way into the promised land. They made their choice long ago. And in that same vein, I just think about these judges in the camp of Israel as he's becoming forgotten, as the Lord is becoming forgotten. What about these judges where, you know, they're little kids, teenagers, youngsters, young adults standing for the Lord? And for such a time as this, in their generation, for such a time as this, for such a time as that, you see how the Lord is using them. And so here we are in verse 1, when Ehud was dead, the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. You see, the law, just like our study on Sundays in, in the book of Hebrews, it just so happens, it just so happens that the law, there are certain inabilities that the law that cannot address the heart, it is impossible. Remember, it just so happens we study this on Sunday because it cannot touch the mind, the heart, the conscience, the inner man, the inner woman. Because if the law did have that ability, we wouldn't have these, you know, the, the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. We wouldn't see this downward slope in the lives of Israel. We wouldn't see it if the law was capable. No, the law is a shadow of the things to come. Fulfillment, Jesus Christ. The law fulfilled in Jesus Christ. But then at the same time, remember, because of the change of priesthood from 
uh, from Aaron to Melchizedek, uh, from Aaron to Melchizedek, from uh, 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 from Levi to Judah. Of this change of necessity, there is a change of the law, and it's the law of faith, the law of love in Christ. In Christ. In Christ. Only in Christ. Never exit Jesus Christ. People say, oh, that's impossible. Once saved, always saved. No, that's a lie. Listen to our study from, from Hebrews 5. And we cover once saved, always saved. It's unbiblical. We cover once saved, always saved. It's unbiblical. Go and listen to our study through Hebrews 5. Everything's archived for you. So you can listen and grow and mature. And together we can continue our journey to paradise, the promised land. It's paradise. And all these things that we see in Israel in the Old Testament as a shadow of the things to come. What about the ups and downs in the life of a Christian? When, yes, the Lord becomes forgotten or can be forgotten. You see it all the time in the lives of Christian where it's like, you know what? Wow, I'm victorious in Christ. I'm victorious in Christ and praise be to the Lord. But the Bible teaches Jesus, red letters. He warns that if a person wants to go on spiritual vacation, that's how it translates. Remember our study in the book of Matthew? And that's how it translates when a person goes on spiritual vacation. Oh, look, I have victory in Christ. I have victory in Christ. And yes, there is victory in that Christ. In that moment when a demon leaves a person. That demon's going to come back and he's going to bring his friends that are worse than him. And if a Christian goes on spiritual vacation, oh, look, you know, once saved, always saved. And, you know, I don't have to do anything. I don't have to. I, I can just be on milk and I don't have I don't need the, 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 the spiritual meat. I don't need to understand the deeper things of the word of God. And, you know, I, I'm just going to be a milk drinker and everything's fine and dandy. Look, I'm free in Christ. All of a sudden, those demons are going to come back. And that Christian, that believer, he's not going to be ready for that fight. And he's going to lose that fight. And the Bible teaches red letters. Jesus says the state of that person is worse than the first. You see? But when a person grows and goes from milk and, you know, it leaves milk, leaves the elementary principles, the elementary things of Christ, just like we see in Hebrews 5 and 6. And is eating the spiritual pork chops in the porterhouse. Then that Christian matures. And then there's that final tier where it's beyond maturity. It's where the Christian becomes deadly. And when the Christian becomes deadly, this is like Chloe level. This is like Timothy level. This is like Paul level. This is like, this is deadly. Remember the demons with the sons of Siva? You know, Jesus we know, Paul we know, but who in the world are you? You see? And in these last days, the Lord is raising up a people that have not forgotten him. Male, female, young, old. It's called the remnant. For such a time as this. You see? And the children of Israel, again in verse 1, Judges chapter 4, verse 1, again did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord sold them or surrendered them is how it translates in the Hebrew. You know, sometimes, you know, you know, I have these conversations, uh, many of late. Uh, it, it's almost like increasing. 
where these non-believers and you know satanists and you know of all variety starting to ask questions like what what you know the there's this you know my, my friend says this is a contradiction and it looks like a contradiction and what do you mean the lord sold them and this is where translations it's very important to stick to you know hebrew uh, um uh, uh greek understanding uh, uh septuagint you know and just you know we, we we cover this on sunday as well and so you know it's so beautiful to have these conversations with a non-believer because it's like wow you know can you explain this i don't know how, i don't know what the bible says about this and it looks like it means this but i'm not too sure because this is you know the lord sold them like what well, i don't get that but it's the lord surrendered them the lord surrendered them and you read that and it's like, wait a second. So does that, does that make it better? If, if it, the Lord doesn't sell them, but the Lord surrendered them, does that make it better? Or hold on. Remember, the Lord is reactionary. The Lord is reactionary. The people, they surrendered themselves. They surrendered themselves. How? In forgetting the Lord. You see? In forgetting the Lord, they surrendered themselves. It's very important to remember that and to retain this because it is prophesied that in the last days, it's going to happen in the church. It's going to happen with Christians. It's called apostasy. A defection, not just a forgetting of the Lord, but a defection away from the Lord thinking that they're in the right. And that's what happens with these other Christs, lowercase c. That's what happens with these other Christs propagated by false teachers, false prophets. You see? Pseudadelphos. Fake. Pseudo, pseudo. Fake. Adelphos. Brothers. False brethren. And they come in, the preacher guys come in, concealing themselves. They hide themselves, presenting themselves as ministers of righteousness, but they serve their father, the devil. And they come with another Christ, another gospel, and another spirit. And that's what the Bible warns about. And as the spread of apostasy, it gets bigger and bigger and is going across the lands. The Lord is raising up a generation for such a time as this. You see? And so we see here in verse 2, yes, the Lord sold them, but don't forget, they sold themselves in forgetting the Lord. They surrendered themselves. Much better is it for the soul to surrender to the Lord. A life fully surrendered to the Lord. And the Lord sold them in verse 2 into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan who reigned in Hazor. Now, remember, the Lord is reactionary. So, you know, when he becomes forgotten, when God becomes forgotten, he is no longer honored and revered. And when God is no longer honored, how can anyone expect blessings? How can anyone expect the blessings of God when he's not even retained in the mind, retained in the heart? Oh, but... God is gracious, God is merciful, people say. Yes, God is gracious, God is merciful, so it's blessing upon blessing upon blessing. Yes, 100%, he's gracious and merciful, but it's always you and me that must yield to him. 
I say must, but it's a choice for everyone, myself included. We are the ones who have to choose. Just like Joshua says, you know, as for me and my house, we're, we, we will serve the Lord. As for you, choose this day whom you shall serve. That's what Joshua said. I'm paraphrasing, but that's what he said. And Joshua's, as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. And I can't say that in these last days. I can't teach that in these last days. I can only teach as for me. I will serve the Lord. And my exhortation to you is, you know, as for you, you serve the Lord. But the ball's in your court. Why? You're like, why? What's wrong with me and my house? I don't get it. Because it is prophesied that a man's enemies will be those in his own house. Because a guy could say, you know, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. A lady could say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Meanwhile, the husband's doing his sex. The wife's doing her crack. The kids are doing their sex and their chakras and their crystals and all kinds of the Ouija boards, the Buddha, all kinds of the yoga, you know, all kinds of different things. And yet, you know, as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. No, that's that's what Joshua says. But in the new covenant, what Jesus says A man's enemies will be those in his own household. Division in the house. Now, I don't want that. I I, I absolutely don't want that. But prophetically speaking, that's what's going to happen. You see? But there is a remnant. And I'm not just saying, you know, okay, you know, like, you know, give up your families. I don't want to come off like that either. No, fight for your families. If you're a parent, fight for your families. If you're a dad, you are the pastor of your home. If you're a mom and, you know, husband's crazy town, you are the spiritual heavy in your home. That's why a lot of times, you know, you go back and you listen to our studies. Everything's archived and you go back and listen to our studies through Ephesians 5, 6, you know, about spiritual warfare and the Christian home. It's very important to understand because a lot of wives and pastors, they say, you know, wives, submit to your husbands, wives, submit to your husbands. And yes, it's a biblical truth. Submit to your husbands. But at the same time, what is the state of the husband? Because if husband says, uh, you know what, wife, um, I think I'm Buddhist now. I'm going to go to Buddha's temple and the Bible says you have to submit to me. So let's go worship Buddha. Now, point blank, wife. Will you submit to your husband and worship Buddha? You see? Or will you submit to the better husband, capital H, Jesus Christ? And say, fat chance, not on my watch. I'm never going to worship Buddha. You see? Because in this example, a person can't say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But in this example, a wife could say, as for me, I'm going to serve the Lord. Husband, you want to go do Buddha? Go do Buddha. And you know what? I don't want you to, but you know, listen, I'm not going to submit to you. You want to do Buddha? Go do Buddha. I'm with Jesus. You want to leave Jesus? You want to leave Jesus and go go to Buddha? Okay. I don't want you to. The Bible warns against that. But as for me, I'm going to serve the Lord. And don't you dare take the kids with you. You see? Now, the Bible says don't get a divorce. 
I mean, if he does a sexual sin, you know, the door is open for divorce. A lot of wives come into problems. They're like, wow, you know, the Bible says, you know, that God says that, you know, that, 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 that he hates divorce. Yes, he hates divorce, but husband wants to be stupid. That's not on you, wife. That's on stupid husband. He's the one who broke the marriage covenant. And a lot of husbands send their wives on guilt trips. They go do their dirty business. They go do their sex. They go do their nastiness. And, you know, they, whatever, you know. And then, you know, the wife finds out. And then all of a sudden, the guy's a good Christian now. Oh, you know, I've, I've repented. I've repented. Because he was caught. Oh, I'm right with the Lord now. And look, you know, the Bible says we shouldn't get divorced and all this stuff. And the wife's taken on a guilt trip. And now the wife becomes a basket case. You see it all the time. A spiritual basket case. It's not to say that the Lord can't heal because he absolutely can heal. But if a guy is going to take the wife on a guilt trip, well, that's manipulation. That's manipulation, which is evil. You see how sin compounds? Husband wants to be stupid and do the sexual stuff? Evil. He wants to come back and manipulate and do the guilt trip? Evil. Then you look at the wife? Basket case. Victim. Kids? Victim. What a mess, you see? And meanwhile, oh, as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. No, no, no. As for me. Joshua says, as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. In the new covenant, there will be division. Jesus Christ is the one who says, do not think I came to bring peace. The Prince of Peace is saying, do not think I came to bring peace. I came to divide. That's what he says. He came to divide. The wheat and the tares. You see? I mean, it's beautiful when... The husband's a Christian, the wife is a Christian, the kids are Christians. It's beautiful. And then they have kids and they're, you know, you have Christian grandparents and great Christian great-grandparents, Christian uncles. It's like, well, that's, that, that, that's beautiful. That's like, you know, optimum. That's like, you know, the, 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 the cream of the crop. That's like the best case scenario. But where do we see that? Not to say that, not to be fatalistic and say that it can't happen. And it's very important to remember that every single person has to make a choice for himself or herself. Every single person. You look at Israel in the book of Judges when, it, when the Lord was forgotten. Ehud, he made his choice. You see? He didn't forget the Lord. In these last days, as apostasy spreads, the remnant, the remnant doesn't forget the Lord. They're the remnant. And look what happens here in verse 2, Judges chapter 4, verse 2. This king Jabin, who's king of Canaan, he reigned in Hazor. But then, you know, you see the commander of his army was Sisera, 
who dwelt in Harosheth Hagoyim. This is, so we're going to go through a series of names here. So it's very important to remember Sisera. He is a commander in the arm, the, the Canaanite army. He's a commander in service to Jabin, who is the king of Canaan. Okay, so we're going to go through names. And sometimes, you know, if you read like, you know, read certain passages, it's like, wow, there's a lot of names here. I don't get it. So just keep in mind, Sisera, he's the commander of the Canaanite army. And so we see here in verse three, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord for Jabin had 900 chariots of iron. And for 20 years, he had harshly oppressed the children of Israel. Now, these are things that are forgotten about oppression. I mean, we, we, we look at verse three and it's like, wow, the Canaanites, you know, look at they, they harshly oppressed the children of Israel and wow, that's terrible. And this oppression, it's terrible. And yes, I'm not trying to gloss over that and say like, you know, it's no big deal because it is a big deal and it is terrible. I don't like oppression. But here in verse three, I mean, when we see he had harshly oppressed the children of Israel, it's, this is an end result of Israel forgetting the Lord. You see? Because oppression is often a result of God being forgotten and dishonored. You see? I mean, there is oppression in the life of a Christian, but that go delves into the realm of persecution. But then there is an oppression. It's like, well, wait a second. This oppression, sometimes it's a result of God being forgotten. I'll give you an example. And I've had these conversations with people where somebody says, oh, you know what? Hey, brother, can you pray for me? Oh, sure. What's happening? Well, you know, I'm really oppressed. You know, that Satan and his demons, you know, they're really coming against me. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so. How can I pray for you? Well, can you pray that, you know, this like doesn't happen. This doesn't turn out like this. And this doesn't turn out like this. And this doesn't turn back because look, I'm demonically oppressed and Satan is really out to get me. Okay. Okay. I'm going to pray. But how did this happen? How did you get in this situation? Well, I was doing my drugs one night and my wife caught me and I was doing my sex and my wife caught me. I was doing my pornography and the kids caught me and this and the strippers. I was with the strippers and this happened and then the cops came and then I went to jail and, you know, I had to call my wife to bail me out. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You call it demonic oppression. You call this oppression of Satan, but not to have sympathy for the devil. I don't really see his hand. I see uh, stupid choices. But I don't see, you know, the, the, the type of oppression that you describe. You see? And then at the same time to understand in the life of a Christian, the Lord can become forgotten you see it happened in corinth it happened in corinth it happened in galatia remember paul when he says i marvel that you're turning away so soon from jesus 
I mean, to turn away from Jesus. And they thought, the saints in Galatia, they thought they were serving him. They thought they were honoring the Lord. But no, they were dishonoring the Lord. You see? Now, just so you know, I teach from America, the United States. That's where I presently teach from. And today in America, we can see oppression and the rise of oppression. And in some areas in the world, outside of America, and even inside of America, the, the oppression is felt more heavily. In some parts of the world, very heavy. The cost of being a Christian is very heavy. But we look at verse 1 here. In the case of Israel, they did, they did evil in the sight of the Lord. And yes, in verse 2, the Lord surrendered them, but they surrendered themselves by their own choice in doing evil in the sight of the Lord. And as a result, they were oppressed. You see? As a result, they were oppressed. And this is partly how the Lord becomes forgotten because there are passages in the law where the Lord's promises, Hey, I'm with you. I'm with you. Things are going to be okay. I'm with you. I'm absolutely with you. But don't forget there are effectuators of those promises because it's like, well, I mean, you could consider the mockers of this particular moment in judges chapter four, verse three. You can consider the mockers in verse three, where it's like, wait a second, if we like Moses promised this, Joshua promised this, but here we are oppressed. What does that say about God? Maybe God is a fairy tale. You see? And the people come up to, with their conclusions. Well, God says things are going to be beautiful. God says that things are going to be great. God says that, you know, that he's with me. God says that he's going to bless me and all these things. But in my life, I don't have that. And people come up with their own conclusions. Therefore, God is a fairy tale. Therefore, God isn't real. Therefore, there's no point in praying to him. You see, you see people all the time. Oh, I'm done with thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers. I'm done with everybody says thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers, and nothing happens. You know why nothing happens? Because the Bible says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, that the Lord will not hear. The Bible says to men, if you uh, uh, deal treacherously with the wife of your youth, God says, listen, I'm going to turn away from you. See, people treat the Lord as like uh, 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 the what do they call those things? The, the lamp that you rub on the side, the, the genie, they treat the Lord like a genie. Like you take the Bible, you rub the Bible and all of a sudden the Lord's going to pop out, you know, I will give you three wishes. No, that's the fairy tale. You rub the Bible and you want to treat the Lord like a genie. No, that's the fairy tale. The genie's the fairy tale. But when the formula is right, when the formula is right, Remember to Joshua, the Lord says, listen, I'm with you. I'm with you. Be strong, courageous. 
And you look at the life of Joshua, not at that moment in Joshua 1. In Exodus, when Israel was defiled, Joshua wasn't. You see? And for such a time as then, the Lord was at work in Joshua. Then you get to the book of Joshua and he's like leader. It's very beautiful when you when you consider and you just mold this over of how the Lord works and how he makes himself known. And the mockers, I mean, the, consider the mockers in Judges 4 verse 3 where, wow, look, you know, Jabin, the Canaanite, you know, the, the, he's harshly oppressing us. And God promised to Abraham that we would be in the promised land and we have the assurance of Moses that things were going to be great. Things were going to be beautiful, that we would be blessed. But look around. Look around. I don't see it. Do you see it? No, I don't see it either. And then how it spreads. Wow, you know, maybe God is a fairy tale. Maybe God is a fairy tale. A generation that doesn't understand formula. The problem isn't God. The problem is the people. God never changes. And a people that forgets the Lord, they forget the Lord, they don't retain the Lord, they don't have an idea of what holiness or righteousness is, and they formulate these con conclusions. Oh, look, the Bible says that, you know, we're blessed, and I look around, and I don't see blessings. The Bible says that, you know, that we're righteous. And I look around, I see the sex, the drugs, the rock and roll, the Ouija boards, you know, the, 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 the needles, the, everybody's cooking spoons. And I, I see all the, 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 the crack, you know, the, the lines. I see it all. And it's like, wow, you know what? God is a fairy tale. They come up with these conclusions. Because God promises blessings. You look around, where are the blessings? You see? But you look around, where are the righteous? Where is the remnant? Where are the saints? Because when the formula is right, put on your seatbelt. Because God moves. Absolutely. Absolutely. When all Israel was defiled, all Israel was defiled of the second generation, they wanted to kill Joshua and Caleb. And remember, that's the book of Numbers, the, the latter part of, of the book of Numbers, which means we already have the second census. And remember, when you take that second census and you take two people, Caleb and Joshua, it's like 0 .003. I'm going by memory. It might be point, it might be four zeros. Might be three or four zeros, but it's point zero zero three. That's a serious remnant. That's a serious remnant. Now, you multiply that because I mean, like, of that generation, they had babies and they're still having babies. And you take that generation 
it's no longer 0 0.003. It's even, you know, for, it's like, you know, maybe four or five zeros because you take, you know, Israel, who's been having babies and intermingling, you know, is Israel with, you know, the, the, the intermingling with the peoples that they're in, in the promised land, just like we studied last week in Judges 3. Worshipping other gods. And then the Lord raises up a judge. Picture that percentage. When you have more people and fewer righteous. You see, that's a serious remnant. But for such a time as that, in the Judges 3 and 4 era, for such a time as that, the Lord raised up these people. Beautiful, beautiful people. But the Lord is the same. He never changes. As the world enters crazy town, deeper and deeper, as strong delusion sets in and gets stronger and stronger and worse and worse, the fruit and evidence of it gets more disgusting, more decayed. And we can see it. You look around, you can see it. And you say, okay, that's the world. And then, okay, that's the world. So I'm going to look at the church. And you look at the church and it's like, oh my goodness, it's the exact same thing. I look at the world, I see the sex. I look at the church, I see the sex. I look at the world, I see the crack. I look at the church, I see the crack. I look at the world, I see the Buddha, the Ouija boards, the yoga, the chakras, the crystals, the all kinds of different things contrary to the Lord. You figure, okay, that's the world. So you look in the church. Okay, wow, I also see the chakras, the, 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 the crystals, the Ouija boards, the yoga, the, you know, the Mary, the Krishna, all kinds of different things. It's like, wow, what's the difference? The salt has lost its flavor. And Jesus, red letter, says when that happens, the salt is good for nothing than to be trampled underfoot by men. When salt loses its flavor. What's happening in our culture today? It's being trampled underfoot by men. You see? You look at the state of the world, world affairs. You look at the state of the church, church affairs. And for such a time as this, Today, right here, right now. When everybody is saying, oh, look, you know, God is a fairy tale. God is a fairy tale. There is a remnant that knows all about formula. Who has not forgotten the Lord. You see? It's the saints of the last days. As the church enters judgment, which is prophesied to happen. Judgment comes first to the church. A church enters judgment. And even still, there is a remnant. You see? And so you look at this, like, wow, you know, in verse 3 here in Judges 4, it's like, wow, they're, they're so oppressed, they're so oppressed, but it didn't have to be this way. They did evil in the sight of the Lord. Remember verse 1? When Ehud was alive, everything was beautiful because he stood for the Lord. Israel, uh, the Lord became forgotten, not in Ehud. And Ehud, you know, as judge. And then at the same time, when he dies, they go back to evil. You see, Moses died and there was Joshua. 
Joshua died and who was left? The elders died. Who was left? And then the Lord raises up these judges. Very interesting to remember and note that there was still a priesthood operating. And yet the Lord raised up these judges. It reminds me a lot about the saints of these last days where you look around, wow, there's pastors everywhere, pastors on every street corner. But the Lord is raising up. You see? Just like you, you, you look at judges, it's like, wow, why, why isn't the Lord using the priests? Why is there an Ehud? I mean, when the Lord became forgotten, why don't the people just go to the priests? The Lord became forgotten with the priests. You look at the last day's generation. The last day's generation. You read the Bible about prophecies of the last days. And you figure, okay, so in order to help the help the Christians, help the, the, the world and for people to become Christians, in order for to to to, to help mitigate tribulation during what the Bible says is gonna happen. There, you know, we're gonna have a whole bunch of pastors, and if there's a whole bunch of pastors, that's gonna help. You look at proof is in the pudding today. We have a whole bunch of pastors, churches on every street corner, pastors on every street corner. And you figure, okay, that's going to help. No, it's making the matters worse. You see? And the Lord is becoming forgotten, just like we see in Judges. When the Lord became forgotten, they had the priests. And the Lord became forgotten. Look at today. The Lord is becoming forgotten. We have churches everywhere. We have pastors everywhere. And just as in Judges, for such a time as then, for such a time as that, the Lord raised up a people. But today, for such a time as this, the Lord is also raising up. It's a remnant. Nothing new under the sun. Nothing new under the sun. You see, look at the truth. Look at a simple read of Revelation 2 and 3 reveals that the Lord doesn't overlook evil and sin. Remember the Lord in Revelation 2 and 3, you know, this I like about you. This you're spot on, but this I have against you. Seven churches. There are only two of the seven that are told that are not told to repent. You see. Look what happens. Look what happens here in verse four. Now, Deborah, Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of the wife of Lapidoth was judging Israel at that time. I love this so much. <laughs> I love this. Deborah, look who God raises for such a time as this in the judges for era for such a time as this. Look who God raises. Deborah, female prophetess. Look who he raises. Now, I've heard female pastors use this, as, use Deborah in Judges 4, use Deborah as 
a reason to authorize female leadership as pastor, pastoral leadership. But remember, this is the Old Testament. The Old Testament has specific rules of engagement, as does the New Testament, as does the New Covenant. Now, I have to say something to females, my sisters in Christ, whom I love. I don't say this to hinder you. Coverings always male. Coverings always male. But at the same time, we read the New Covenant. Pastors, elders, overseers, always male, according to holy formula, which is the word of God. New Covenant. And I don't say to my sisters, I don't say this to hinder you. But I do say this to help you. Because there are gifts of the Spirit that are used in the church body that the Lord gives specifically for that purpose, to help the body to edify. The females cannot be pastor. Females cannot be elder. But don't forget, there are prophetesses in the New Covenant. There are prophetesses. Remember the, 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 the daughters of Philip? You see? Prophetess daughters. And it's not so that they can get a high horse, and, high horse and, you know, oh, look at me, I'm a prophetess. No. The biblical prophets, they don't get on a high horse. Biblical prophetesses, they don't get on a high horse. But they help the body. They help the assembly. You see? And the Bible specifically says, according to the new covenant, Females cannot be pastor. Females cannot be elder. But I have something to say to my sisters in Christ. You know what's better? Training the next generation of pastors. Training your sons. So that they can grow up. The next generation of pastors. They can grow up. To fear the Lord, love the Lord, trust the Lord, honor the Lord, and be used by the Lord. The next generation of pastors. Look at Hannah. You see? Look at Hannah. She didn't anoint David. But she was a covering to the anointer of David. And I speak of Saul, her son. Or Samuel, her son. You see? And sometimes my sisters in Christ forget this. And I have to stress, it's, it's not said to hinder you or hurt you in any way, shape, or form. There's a lot of pride. You know, it, with the, we, we have to be careful of the Jezebel spirit for my sisters in Christ. Be careful with the Jezebel spirit. Because of pride. And, you know, for my sisters, I... I've, and I've had these conversations with females in leadership. And, you know, like, how dare you say I can't be pastor? How dare you? Look, the church is a mess. The church is a mess. I know. I see it. The church is a mess. You see? The church is a mess. But does that give anybody an excuse to take it upon themselves? No. Unless the Lord builds the house. The, when the Lord builds, he uses formula according to his word. Females cannot be pastor. Females cannot be elder. Must be male. You see? Look at Chloe. Beautiful, beautiful Chloe. Put yourself, for my sisters in Christ, put yourself in Chloe's sandals. 
And she knows formula. She was taught well by Paul. She knows all about formula. And Paul's, you know, away. Where is she going to go to worship the Lord? Where is she going to go to church? When Chloe knows all about formula, she loves the Lord. Where is Chloe going to go worship? Where can she fellowship? Because in Corinth, under the leadership of the defunct pastors that she knows, she knows all about formula. She knows, listen, that guy calls himself a pastor, but he's no pastor. That guy calls himself an elder, but he's no elder. As evidenced in the fruit, among other things. Look at the rotten fruit that was in Corinth. You see? And so Chloe says, okay, home fellowship. Home fellowship. And she knows all about formula. She knows that she cannot have authority over a man. Ladies, women, come to Chloe's house. You see? Come to Chloe. Now you take a, a, a female Christian... Just one. A baby, a milk drinker in Corinth. You take you take two milk drinkers in Corinth. Females. Young Christians. They like say, they say they're like uh, 40 years old. Milk drinkers. They're baby Christians. You take these two milk drinkers and one stays in the church proper. Like the, the church in Corinth. One stays in you know the, the church on Main Street in Corinth. And then the other goes to Chloe's household and joins the fellowship in Chloe's household. In the course of about, I mean, in, in one day, you might not see a difference. You probably won't see a difference. But in a month, in two months, in five months, in seven months, you're going to see a big difference. These formerly two milk drinkers now there's just one milk drinker because she stayed in that fellowship. The other milk drinker, former milk drinker, is moving on to perfection. Why? Because Chloe, who knows all about formula, she had a good teacher in Paul. Now she's teaching the next generation how the word of God is not in chains, but that the word of God goes forth through Chloe. You see, it's very similar to what we see in Deborah here in the Old Testament. I mean, for me personally, I see Deborah as a type of Chloe. You see, and a lot of women go into crazy town here because they say, well, you know, you know, Deborah was, you know, she's a prophetess and look, she was a judge. And so I'm going to take it upon myself and I'm going to be pastor. And, you know, how dare you say that's the spirit of Jezebel? That's unbiblical. There is no spirit of Jezebel. Okay, okay. So let me ask you a question to the female who says there is no such thing as a spirit of Jezebel. We have Jezebel Old Testament. And then we have the warning in the New Testament about Jezebel. When, according to the flesh, the Jezebel reference, she's dead. So how could there be reference to dead Jezebel as a warning to living Christians? Outside of a spirit of Jezebel. You see? 
because pride. A lot of females, a lot of women, and some well-meaning females. Well-meaning females. Look at I. I look at the church today, and it breaks my heart. It kills me. And a lot of Christians are like, wow, you know, I see the craziness in the church, so I'm going to go to Hebrew roots where there's more heavy government. I'm going to go to Calvinist where there's more heavy government, which I see the mess in the church. But going that direction to Hebrew roots, wrong. Going to the direction of Calvinist, Reformed, Presbyterian, wrong. You see? And a lot of women... Oh, I see the mess in the church. And so, you know, I don't want to do Hebrew roots and I don't want to go Calvinist. So I think I'm going to be a pastor. Oh, the Lord is calling me to be a pastor. Whoa, 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 whoa. The Lord is never going to go against his word. Never. Never. The Lord doesn't go against his word. Oh, but Deborah was a judge. Okay. Rules of engagement of the old covenant. Rules of engagement in the new covenant, no female pastors. You see? Satan presents himself as an angel of light. And he'll go to women. Oh, thus saith the Lord, be a pastor. Oh, the Lord wants you to be a pastor. And you have a lot of unequipped females. Okay, I'm going to be a pastor. That cannot happen. I don't say this to hinder any of my sisters in Christ. The better ministry is for my sisters in Christ is to be a covering for your children. Teach them, train them well. And for your sons, be a covering for your sons and train them and teach them. The next generation of pastors. Just like Hannah was to Samuel. You see? Beautiful, beautiful Hannah. As an observation, the majority of warriors that I see in the church today, just as an observation, the majority of warriors in the church today, and in my experience, they're female. They're women. The men, they compromise themselves with their sex, their drugs, their pornography, their whatever they're doing, a lot of sex. A lot of sex. A lot of their drugs and the alcohol. The men, they compromise themselves. Little boys, they want to be babies. The highest concentration I see in the warrior class, the highest concentration of warriors are female. And of them, the majority, old ladies. Old ladies. You see? Praise be to the Lord. According to the flesh, that's, you know, the flesh. According... To the Spirit, New Covenant. Look at these beautiful women we see in the New Covenant. Look at Chloe, beautiful Chloe, beautiful Lydia. You see? Priscilla, Lydia. Look at how the, who, who the Lord raises. Look how the Lord raises and who the Lord raises for such a time as this. For such a time as the Judges 4 generation. For such a time as the 1 Corinthians generation, the Romans generation. For such a time as the Acts 16 generation. And for such a time as today, 2022. 
for such a time as right here, right now, to my sisters in Christ. You see? In verse 4, Deborah, Judges 4, verse 4, Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, was judging Israel at that time. And she would sit under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel. Now, a lot of people here say that, you know, this is like the, the title of her seat of judging. Oh, this is the palm tree of Deborah. And a lot of female pastors create something fanciful about it to attempt to authorize female pastoral authority, which is entirely unbiblical according to the new covenant. I mean, covering is always male. I mean, when you look, you know, I say according to the new covenant, but according to the old covenant, priestly coverings, male. You see? I mean, you look at Hannah. Hannah didn't, you know, Hannah doesn't, you know, she, she doesn't look at, okay, you know, there's a, there's a leadership void. And so I think I'm going to try out and be king. Okay. There's a leadership, there's a leadership void in temple. So you know what? I, I think I'm going to join the priesthood. No. What does she do? She seeks the face of the Lord. <laughs> and the Lord responded to her prayers. You see, and when God was silent to the priest, he spoke to little Sam. The Lord didn't wait for Samuel to be, oh, he's got to be, you know, a certain age. He's got to be, you know, an adult so he can comprehend. No, he spoke to little boy Samuel. You see, I love it so much. Oh, you know, you're just a kid. You don't understand what you're talking about. You don't understand this. But the Lord spoke to him. And a lot of females in verse five, they look at, okay, this is the, the palm tree of Deborah. And they create this thing like, the, like, the, wow, look, this is the palm tree of Deborah. And then you see like, you know, women pastors are staying at the pulpit and they have all this artwork behind them. Oh, look, the palm tree of Deborah. And they, it's like, what are, what is happening? Attempting to presume that female pastors are okay. There is such a thing as the sin of presumption. The Bible says, don't do that. Don't do that. Around this location at Ramah and Bethel, around this location, there is another place called Alon Bakuth. It is where another Deborah was. And she's buried there. She was the wet nurse of Rebecca. Rebecca was the wife of Isaac. And it was this Deborah, the wet nurse of Rebecca, wife of Isaac. It was this Deborah who gave milk to baby Jacob. Baby Jacob became teenager Jacob. Teenager Jacob became adult Jacob. Jacob wrestled with God. And God changed his name to Israel, governed by God, who as a young baby was nursed by Deborah. 
Does that sound familiar? According to the Spirit as New Covenant believers. How many times do you hear us speak about, you know, the milk drinkers, the milk drinkers, the milk drinkers, and moving on to perfection and eating the the the, the porterhouse, the ribeyes, the deep spiritual things. Remember Hebrews 6, if the Lord permits. If the Lord permits, Hebrews 5 and 6, if the Lord permits, making that comparison, distinction, juxtaposition with milk and meat, leaving the elementary things. Let us move on to perfection. It's so beautiful. I mean, as New Covenant believers, to read these passages in the Old Testament, be like, wow, that... That sounds very familiar, what is happening here. I mean, here you have in this same locale where Deborah, the older Deborah, the, 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 the old school Deborah, gave milk to Jacob, sustenance to Jacob. Now, in Judges, we see in the lineage of the children of Jacob and the lineage of people getting sustenance from another Deborah, serving the Lord as judge, who the Lord raised up for such a time as this. You see, I get it. You know, I... Female pastors is very unbiblical. And it happens because female pastors are deceived by the deceiver, Satan, who capitalizes on pride. He takes a problem like the craziness of the church and seduces using pride. Humility is the key. For both men and women, humility is the key. I used to think when I was a a very young Christian, very baby, super baby Christian, and I don't mean super baby like, you know, super baby. I mean super baby like, you know, just a little pipsqueak baby. But I used to get so mad at Stephen. So, so, like, infuriated at Stephen. Like, why, why is he refusing to fight? And not just why is he refusing to fight back. Why is it that the other Christians, why don't they just join forces and like come together and just wreck shop? And you know, you want to throw stones? Okay, we're going to throw them back and you guys are done. And I used to be so infuriated because I was prideful. It was pride. And in pride, having an idea of what I thought was right, but I was wrong. That was like 25 years ago. Today, I read about Stephen. I think of Stephen. I dwell about Stephen. And he is among the most beautiful creatures I have ever known. Through the text of scripture. But... One of the most beautiful creatures I have ever known. 
because of his humility. You see, humility. Remember, it is the meek that will inherit the earth, not the prideful. It is the meek that will inherit the earth. Now, granted, you know, we'll be in our glorified bodies, but the meek nonetheless will inherit the earth. It's very important to understand. And I say this specifically to my sisters in Christ, and I do not say it to hurt you. Because I get it, you know, I, I completely, sometimes, you know, there are times when I wish, like, wow, I wish I could talk to, like, every single child under age five. I wish I could speak to every Christian child under age five. Or I wish I could speak to every Christian teenage female. I wish I could teach, speak to every teenage Christian male. I wish I could speak to every married couple, every newlywed couple, every old married couple. I wish I could speak to every old woman. I wish I could speak to every old man. And today, today, I wish I could speak to every single female in the faith. Not to hurt you in any way, shape, or form. Not to hurt you. But so that you and me can know this together. Clinging to humility. And in so doing, holding on to Jesus Christ. And abiding in Jesus Christ. You look at Hannah. Hannah didn't say, wow, you know what? There's this void. Because remember, the Lord was silent in those days. You know, for the, for the Lord to be silent in those days. I wonder what Eli was saying in those days. Speaking platitudes, oh, you know what, this, oh, tell me, Eli, what do you think about this situation? Tell me, Eli, what's your opinion about this? Tell me, Eli, what, what is the Lord's desire for this situation? What is, what, what is the Lord, you know, how is the Lord speaking to you, Eli? I wonder how Eli would respond. Oh, you know, according to this dispensation, or oh, look, the... The ancient scrolls say this, therefore, and just go on and on and on and on about a whole lot of nothing. And then you have Hannah seeking the face of the Lord, barren, desiring a child. And the Lord responding to her and opened her womb. She gives birth to little baby. And she honored her prayers to the Lord and says, okay, Lord, I'm going to have him for a while. I'm going to, you know, the, what moms do with their babies, you know, like the, you know, that the thing, you know, like, you know, when they feed <laughs> and then, okay, like after that, Lord, I'm going to give him to you. He's yours, Lord. It just blows me away so much. Because a lot of my sisters in Christ, you know, I love you, but a lot of you forget. <laughs> and I get it. I, I, I get it. It's, 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 we're wrapped in these earth suits. 
But there's something so beautiful about humility. And the carnal cannot see. But it's something so precious, lovely, beautiful, a sweet aroma, and it's humility. Male and female, look at the humility of of Stephen. In my foolishness, I couldn't see it. In my pride of my foolishness of pride, I couldn't see it. I thought Stephen was the fool without realizing that it was me that was the fool. And in the course of time, I was able to see and realize how beautiful Stephen is. One of those most beautiful creatures I've ever known in my life. Through the pages of scripture, through the word of God. I can't wait to meet him. And you look at Hannah. She didn't roll up her sleeves. Okay, you know what? I'm going to be priest now. Because no, that, that would be outside of the boundaries of what the, the, the rules of engagement. No, you can't operate like that, Hannah. Okay, I can't be priest, so you know what? I'm going to be king. I'm going to work my way up the ladder, and I'm going to be king. I'm going to rule. No, 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 no. doesn't work that way either, Hannah. And in humility, she seeks the face of the Lord. And Samuel, when there was silence, the Lord wasn't silent. With little Samuel. The Lord didn't wait for him to be, you know, of age. Okay, Samuel, you got to be, you know, 30 years old and then you can comprehend, you can understand these things. That's what blows me away about stupid pastors today. The stupid, stupid male men pastors today. Oh, you know, you're just a kid. You don't know this. You don't understand this. Or, you know, you have to, you know, memorize the catechism so that, you know, we just want to make sure you know what you're getting yourself into. Listen. Any Christian, anybody who comes to Christ has no idea what they're getting involved with. They have no, because you don't know how the Lord is going to call you. You might be living in, you know, uh, Main Street, USA, and in two years, the Lord's going to call you to a war zone. The Lord's going to call you to a place of major, major danger, according to the flesh. Because you're dangerous and the Lord is going to use you. Where, you know, if you're in Main Street, USA and you're like, wow, you know what? Um, if the Lord told you in advance, like, okay, you're going to be, you're going to become a Christian, you know, in five minutes. And, you know, I'm going to call you to, you know, go to this place where you're probably going to die. You're probably going to get shot. You're probably going to get your head chopped off. And you're like, okay, no, thanks. I'm out. You see, the Lord doesn't do that. The Lord, you know, the, the Lord didn't tell Peter from the get go, you know, you know, Peter, uh, uh, put your nets down and follow me. I will teach you to be a fisher of men. By the way, you're going to be killed. No, he didn't say that. He did not say that. But in the course of time, Peter denied his life. You see, as a worker, remember, we have to make the distinction between worker and field because a lot of Christians get into trouble because they're in the field and they attempt to be worker when the Lord never called them to be a worker. Unless the Lord builds the house, 
Unless the Lord builds in house, they labor in vain who build. The Lord must build the house. You see? You look at Chloe. Chloe didn't take it upon herself. She wasn't like, you know what? This pastor over here is defunct. I go to this corner, that pastor is defunct. And this corner, look at all the sex and the alcohol and the extortion that's happening in the churches. All these pastors are defunct. So you know what? I'm going to take it upon myself and I'm going to be pastor. Everybody, men, women, young, old, follow me. No, she doesn't do that. Because humility is more precious than any of the finest rubies. And humility is something so beautiful. And she operates, but she operates within the confines of very specific rules of engagement. Okay. Ladies, ladies, come to my house. We're going to have the women's fellowship. You see, I cannot have authority over a man. And we're going to study the word of God. And we're going to pray. You know, we're going to have our fellowship of females. And when Corinth got crazy and crazy and crazy and for three years arrested development, not in Chloe's, Chloe's house is the exception. Everywhere else, look at the sex. So much so, a guy has sex with his dad's wife. And Paul says, not even the heathen do this. Not even the non-believers do this. And this is happening inside the church. You look at the extortion, the alcoholism. And when Paul caught wind of it, it was by Chloe's house, the fellowship in Chloe's house. You see? Praise be to the Lord. They don't alert the pastors of Corinth. They go to their male authority, Paul, who's a good teacher. You see? And Paul cleans house. And don't forget, Chloe cleans house too. And this is a very strong, hardcore exhortation to my sisters in Christ. I wish I could speak to every single female in the faith. Young, old, I don't care. I mean, I care, but I meant, you know, young and old and everybody in between. I care, but I meant like, if you're young or you're old, you know, I care, but I meant like, I wish I could speak to everybody, females. Because there's a big problem in the church and it's going to amplify in the last days. Where women have these very beautiful sensors. A very, I I can't describe it, but I mean, there's these sensors that females have, which are beautiful and can absolutely be used by the Lord. But Satan can also twist it. You see, hey, why don't you just be a pastor? Why don't you just have authority over a man? You see, and all of a sudden he tries to lead a female outside of the confines of obedience of the rules of engagement. And that's just step one. Then comes step two, step three, step four. Remember, sidestep left, sidestep left, sidestep, 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 sidestep. 
and then boom, the Lord becomes forgotten. You see, the Lord becomes forgotten. I mean, look at, look at Laodicea. They were Christians. They're Laodicean Christians. It's the church, church of Laodicea. They gathered, they assembled, had an assembly, they had fellowship. But the problem, Jesus, the biblical Jesus, whose word is above his name, he's on the outside. He's not on the inside. And I'm not suggesting that Laodicea is, you know, females. I'm not suggesting that at all. But when the formula is wrong, male or female, that's what happens. Exactly like we see in the book of Judges when the Lord becomes forgotten. And so you have Deborah who's raised up. In verse 5, she would sit under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the mountains of Ephraim. And the children of Israel came up to her for judgment. You see, they want a decision. Deborah, we got a situation. What do we do? Deborah, there's this problem. What do we do? You see, it's so beautiful. I see Deborah as a type of Chloe. Chloe, of course, operating with very specific rules of engagement, but you see similarities. In verse 6, then she sent and called for Barak, the son of Abinoam, from Kadesh in Naphtali, and said to him, Has not the Lord God of Israel commanded, go and deploy troops at Mount Tabor? Now, let's let's analyze this for a moment. In verse 6, the people approach Deborah, who is female. Emphasis on female. Emphasis on female. Men, I love you men, but emphasis on female. The people go to Deborah. Deborah, what do we do? What do we do? Deborah then calls for Barak and instructs. Deploy troops. Deploy the troops. But notice, before she says, go and deploy troops, she says, has not the Lord God of Israel commanded? Has he not commanded? Notice the command was there. The command was there. Yet, no one knows what to do. Remember, this is a state where God has become forgotten. And I don't mean state like, you know, uh, the, the land state. I mean state like, you know, a state as, you know, reference point. This is a state where God has become forgotten, but not with Deborah. Deborah is on the right frequency when nobody else is. You see? I mean, nowadays, you know, modern radios. I mean, who listens to the radio anymore? But back in the day, for the older generation, you might remember the little knob. And you have a knob, you turn to the left, you turn to the right, and the little red needle, it goes to the right, it goes to the left in accordance with how you turn it. And if you're going to listen, say the classical music, you're going to listen to classical music, and the classical music station is at 92.8. Well, let's say 98. 98.3 is the classical station. And you're at 98.3. That dial has to be very specific in order to get the clear signal. I mean, you go a little bit to the left, you can still hear the music, but you hear the, you know, the scratches. 
you can hear little, you know, I think that was a violin. I think that was the cello. I think I heard the, you know, the drums. I think I heard the percussion. But you hear a whole lot of and you can think you can make out the music. So you go too far left, you got to go to the right. And then all of a sudden you don't hear the static, clear signal. You go too far right and you hear the same thing. You got to go back to the left. You get to the right, right where there's no static. It's just a perfect signal and crystal clear sound. And boom, you got it. You can hear it. And that's Deborah. Deborah, she's on the right frequency. Nobody else is. Deborah, what do we do? What do we do? Deploy the troops. Deploy the troops, she says in verse 6. But first, she says, Has not the Lord commanded? Has not the Lord God of Israel commanded? See, when everybody's on the wrong frequency, everybody's on the wrong frequency. And that sounds like a dumb statement. You might be listening like, okay, everybody's on the wrong frequency, so they're on the wrong frequency. Okay, we get it. What was the point of saying that? Well, if everybody's on the wrong frequency, with music, that's one thing. But with the Lord? How, are, how is instruction going to be heard? How is instruction going to be taught? How is guidance going to be given? I mean, if there was no Deborah, what would, what would happen? But for such a time as this, Deborah isn't just on the right frequency in verse 6. I wonder how Deborah was as a little girl. I wonder how Deborah was as, as a little teenager. And for such a time as this, has not the Lord God of Israel commanded? Go and deploy the troops. Now you see why I see Deborah as Chloe-esque to my sisters in Christ. I have a message for you. Young, old, I don't care. I'm going to care, but, you know, young, old. To my sisters in Christ. Let no one despise your youth. Let no one despise your oldness. And let no one despise your sex. But operate. And I say operate on purpose. Operate. Within the rules of engagement as outlined in the new covenant. You see? A lot of stupid men today. A lot of stupid pastors. A lot of stupid elders. A lot of idiots. Male idiots. You say, oh, okay, that's too mean. Okay, I'll do it like Paul. A lot of idiotes. The Greek word for idiot. A lot of idiotes today. Male idiotes. They see women as second class. But they're idiotes. They're fools. Because in Christ, in Christ, in Jesus, the biblical Jesus, whose word is above his name, there is no male nor female. You see? But herein, there are still specific rules of engagement 
according to the new covenant. I mean, I'll just be straight up with you. If the Lord asked me to assemble warriors for the battlefield of the last day, if he asked me, you know, if he gave the command, assemble warriors for the last day's battle, there would be a whole lot of females. And of that group, the majority, old ladies, age 40 and above, not like age 75 and above, age 75 and above, there a whole lot of females. There would be some younger ones, but the majority old. And maybe like two guys, two men, two males. You see? Praise be to the Lord. For such a time as this, today, right here, right now. I wonder who among my sisters in Christ are on the right frequency. Like Deborah. Like Hannah. Like Chloe. Like Priscilla. Like Lydia. I wonder. And so when the people didn't know what to do, they... Deborah, she sends for Barak and she says, has not the Lord God of Israel commanded, go and deploy troops at Mount Tabor, take with you 10,000 men of the sons of Naphtali and of the sons of Zebulun in verse seven. And against you, I will deploy Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army. Now, remember, this, this isn't Deborah saying, you know, I'm going to deploy Sisera, you know, against you. This is Deborah giving an account of God's command. Remember, like in verse, I mean, this is a long question, but I'm at like, like in verse seven, you see the question at the end of verse seven, you see the question mark, but like at verse six, you know, it starts, has not the Lord God of Israel commanded? And she's giving steps. Like these are the blueprints. Deploy the troops. This is the, the numbers that you take specific location to play Mount Tabor, you know, the number of the, the number of troops of Naphtali and Zebulun. Very specific blueprints that Deborah, she's on the right frequency. She has ears to hear. And when God is forgotten among the people, not so with Deborah. Not so with Deborah. Deborah knows the Lord. You see? And Deborah's not sitting on like a throne and saying, oh, look at me, I'm a judge. Look at me, I'm a prophetess. Look at me, how awesome I am. No, she's serving the assembly. She's serving the Lord, but in so doing, she's serving the assembly in giving these blueprints. You see? Against you, in verse 7, I will deploy Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his multitude at the river Kishon. You see? These instructions, it's so beautiful. These instructions include location. You see? A Calvinist would say, well, you know, there's no prophets or prophetesses today. That was for 2,000 years ago, another dispensation. You see? They'd be wrong. According to the New Covenant, there are prophets. There are prophetesses. I mean, look at Agabus. And look at the daughters of Philip. You have prophets, both male and female. You have Agabus and the daughters of Philip. Now, notice, Deborah doesn't sit on a high horse. 
She doesn't say, oh, I'm a prophetess, you know. Doesn't happen. As judge, in service to the Lord, for the benefit of the people. This is Old Testament, Old Covenant. You see, as judge, it's for the benefit of the people, but it's in service to the Lord. Honoring the Lord. In the church today, I mean, where there are prophets and prophetesses, it's not for accolades or carnal acknowledgement, which a lot of times you see sometimes. And I mean, you, you, you see, like, you know, you turn on TBN, Tricking Believers Nightly, and you see, oh, this is prophetess, this person, or female pastor this, or female pastor that. No, no, no. Wrong, wrong formula. Wrong formula. You cannot submit to such. See, the Bible says submit to your pastor, but when you see the wrong formula, you cannot submit. You cannot submit. And just as Deborah was a benefit for Israel, so too are the prophets and prophetesses of today a benefit for the body of Christ. I mean, the gift in Agabus, a prophet, it wasn't for him to come to town and, oh, I'm Agabus and I get, you know, front of the line privileges and I'm Agabus and I'm awesome and, you know, give me this special seat. I want to sit in the front in this nice little throne at the church. No. Agabus, in humility, a prophet. But the benefit was for the saints in Jerusalem. You see? I mean, if you're a new listener, go back and listen to our study through 1 Corinthians. And then, you know, get yourself caught up through Hebrews. But in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, we cover the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. You see? And the gifts of the Spirit are never to be mocked. There is an order. And the gift of prophecy is a gift. Not the greatest gift, but it's a gift of the Spirit. You see, the, the daughters of Philip, they had the gift of prophecy given to them by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit given by Jesus Christ. Remember, Mary, do not hold on, do, do not hold on to me because I haven't ascended to my Father. When he told everybody before, he says, I'm going to ascend to my Father, but I'm going to send you the Paracletus. The Holy Spirit. Then he says to Mary, Mary, don't hold on to me because I haven't ascended to my father. He ascends to the father, his father, our father, hallowed be his name. And he ascends to, you know, higher than the angels. And this is, you know, combining our study in Hebrews, higher than the angels. But then at the same time, you get to Acts chapter 2. And then you have the tongues of fire. The tongues of fire. Because he's ascended. He's at the right hand of God. And then he sends his spirit. Acts chapter 2. I mean, in Acts chapter 1, remember the angels? Like, the disciples, they're, they're like kind of like scared and worried and sad. Like, wow, Jesus is, is ascending. He's going away. And the angels like, you know, what's the matter? You know, this... The same Jesus that you're seeing going up in the cloud, the same Jesus, he's going to come back in the same manner. Riding on a cloud. You see? Riding on the clouds, he's going to come back in the same manner. And then you turn the page, Acts chapter 1, you turn the page to Acts chapter 2, tongues of fire. Because Jesus is at the right hand of God, ascended higher than the angels. He's at the right hand of God. And just like he said he would do, he sends his spirit. And then you have the disciples. 
Now they're apostles, messengers. And now they speak with power. And it's the power of the Holy Spirit. The gift of tongues. People say, that's evidence you have the Holy Spirit. No, it isn't. Love. The greatest gift. The gift of tongues is one of many gifts. You see? And people say, the gift of tongues is evidence that you have the Spirit. But it isn't. Because a lot of Christians, they know that the Bible says when you're a believer, you know the Lord gives the Holy Spirit. You believe in Jesus and the Lord gives the Holy Spirit. But in proper context, understanding the counsel of the Word of God, the Holy Spirit can skip over certain individuals that have wickedness in their heart. And they do not have the Holy Spirit. Just go back and read Acts chapter 8. Listen to our study through Acts 8. How people were baptized in Jesus. They became Christians. They believe in Jesus. John and, 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 and Peter come to town and they perceive, wait a second, the Holy Spirit hasn't fallen on these people yet. And so they lay hands on them and the Holy Spirit comes upon them. So they're Christians. They believe in Jesus without the Holy Spirit. And then they lay hands. The Spirit comes inside of them, except for one, Simon, because of wickedness. So the Spirit can skip over people because the Lord knows the heart. But people go into charismatic churches and, yes, Pentecostal churches. People who I love. And then they're taught that the charismatic, the the ultra-charismatic, the charismania, and then they're taught... You will speak in tongues and you when you speak in tongues, you it's evidence that you have the Holy Spirit. And it's like a little guilt trip. And then people make a mockery of the gift of tongues. And they start speaking in gibberish. Because they don't want to think, wow, I don't have the Holy Spirit. I can't speak in tongues. I don't have the Holy Spirit. They don't want to think that. When the Bible says the gift of tongues... There's a very specific order for speaking and using tongues in a fellowship. Very, very specific order and fellowship and and, and formula. Go back and listen to our study through 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. You'll understand more. And for my Pentecostal friends, my, my Pentecostal and charismatic brothers and sisters, I love you, I love you, I love you. But there must be order. No crazy town. There must be order. Agabus his gift given by the spirit remember every high priest both sacrifice and gifts Jesus he was the sacrifice gifts he gives he sent the holy remember I've sent to my father Mary don't hold on to me I have not yet ascended my father go and tell the others the men were scaredy cats Afraid of the Romans. Wow, if they did this to Jesus, they're going to do it to me. So I'm out of here. The women, they didn't care. Beautiful. beautiful. Warriors. I love these women. You see? Deborah, Chloe, Mary. I love these women. Beautiful, beautiful warriors. Standing for the Lord. The men, whoa. The Romans, they're going to do that to me. So I'm out of here. The women, the Romans... 
They can do it to me. That's nice. I'm going to serve the Lord. Sold out. And so, you know, in Acts 1, you know, Jesus ascends. The angel says, you know, why are you worried? Why, why, why are you like selling the face? No, he's going to come back. He said he would come back. You turn the page, Acts chapter 2. Tongues of fire, they receive, you know, the gift of tongues, one of many gifts. It's not the only gift. And people say, oh, it's evidence you have the Holy Spirit. Don't forget the other gifts. Don't send, you know, pastors, charismatic Pentecostal pastors, don't send God's people on guilt trips. You don't have the Holy Spirit unless you speak in tongues. No, that is unbiblical. Love is the greatest gift. The gift of interpretation. The gift of tongues. Many gifts. Many gifts. The gift of prophecy. You see? Picture when the apostles now in Acts 2 speaking in tongues and the people are like, well, you know, you, you know they're, they're drunk, they're drunk. And Peter, you know, he's we're not drunk, it's only 9 in the morning. You know, some translations, you know, it's, we're not drunk, it's only 9 in the morning. It's like, no, it's early in the morning, we're not drunk. But we speak on holy things. And then Peter's speaking. Peter is speaking. I wonder what Peter's mind, like as he's speaking. I wonder in his mind, like while he's speaking, if he's just reflecting back when... When people are like intently listening to him. Remember, they, it was at the time they, 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 they come from all over to worship at temple. Pentecost. And then all of a sudden, Peter, like as he's speaking, if he's like thinking back, like I remember when, when, I'm, when I was fishing. And Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I will make you a fisher of men. And I dropped my net and I walked with him. I followed him. I denied him, but I repented. I swam to him. He asked me if I love him. And I affirmed that, yes, I love him. And it was then when Jesus revealed to him that you're going to go places you don't want to go. The manner in which you're going to die. When Peter was fishing, Jesus didn't say that to him. But in walking with the Lord, as a disciple, becoming a friend of God, you know, servant of God, when Jesus says, no longer do I call you servants, but I call you friends, and now all of a sudden, I mean, we get into future chapters of the book of Acts and Peter counts it as a blessing. He counts it as a joy to suffer shame for the name of Christ, that he's counted worthy to suffer shame for the name of Christ. And I wonder about Peter, if as he's speaking in Acts 2, and the people tell him, you know, what do we do, Peter, what do we do? And he says, repent 
Repent and believe, be baptized for the remission of sins. And I wonder if he remembers when his Lord told him, I will make you a fisher of men. And here you have all these men. Peter, what do we do? Oh my goodness. I meant, you have fulfillment of, you know, when the Lord says, you know, I'm going to send to my Father and I'm going to send you the Spirit. The paraclete, and here they are speaking in tongues, they're speaking in other languages. Just like Jesus said, he wouldn't, it's happening. When Jesus told Peter, I will make you fisher of men, and here he is, a fisher of men. Just like he said. When Jesus ascends into heaven and the angels like, he's going to come back exactly like he said he would. Why would they doubt? Why would they doubt? They wouldn't doubt. Jesus is returning. As his word says. As he told us. As he said he would. He is returning. You see? Agabus was a prophet. A gift of the spirit. And Agabus, it was for the benefit of the saints in Jerusalem. When the when the famine came, the saints in Jerusalem, they were okay. The famine hit everybody else except for the church in Jerusalem. The famine hit. And that's going to be, I hate to say this. It hurts me to say this. But these are things that are going to happen in the last days. When plagues befall the earth. And you have pastors today who say, Oh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That was for 2,000 years ago. And you have Christians that submit to those pastors. Those are Calvinists and Presbyterian and Reformed pastors who teach that. Oh, the gifts. That was for 2,000 years ago. It's not for today. And then they formulate these ideas. The reason why it's not for today, it's not in the Bible, but the reason why we don't see it today is because where is it? You know, where is it? We don't see tongues today. I mean, you see like in certain churches, but you also see it's out of order. So where is interpretation today? Where is the gift of prophecy today? And because we don't see it today, they formulate these conclusions. Therefore, it was for another dispensation instead of saying... We don't see the gift, the, 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 the gift of tongues. We don't see the gift of interpretation. We don't see the gift of prophecy in this fellowship because I'm a pastor, but I'm on the wrong frequency. You'll never hear a Calvinist pastor say that. You'll never hear a Reformed Presbyterian pastor say that. Instead, they presume to be on the right frequency when they're on the wrong frequency. They're not hearing. They cannot hear the voice of the Lord. They have intellect. But spiritually speaking, intellect is for the fool. Intellect is carnal. Logic is carnal. It can be a tool, yes. But we walk by faith. 
faith, which is the substance of things unseen, the evidence. You see? That's faith, and that's what we walk by. That's what the Bible says we ought to walk by. But the ball's in your court. You have a pastor. If you have a pastor that teaches that the gifts of the Holy Spirit were for another dispensation, it was for the early church, it's not for today. When you hear a pastor say that, run. Run away. Because what they're revealing to you is they're on the wrong frequency. And it hurts me to say this. But as these plagues befall the earth, as we see in the book of Revelation, these very gifts, like Agabus, who, you know, A, there's a famine coming, and they make preparations for the famine. Because the Lord protected them using a vessel by the name of Agabus who has a gift that the Lord gave him through his spirit. Remember, every priest, both sacrifice and gifts, every priest, you see, the Calvinist Jesus, no gifts. The Jesus of John Calvin, no gifts. You know what that says? Wrong priest. What Jesus do they speak of? What Jesus do they speak of? Now you understand when a Calvinist pastor says, go ahead and take the mark of the beast, you'll still be saved. By what spirit does he say such a thing? What gospel does he teach? What Jesus would authorize such a thing? When the biblical Jesus says, don't you dare take the mark of the beast. You do that, you're going to burn in hell. And Christians submit. The Bible says submit to your pastor, so I'm going to submit to the pastor. Listen, there's a formula for pastor. There's a form, very specific. It's easy. Very specific formula. If you're listening to the, for, the, for the first time, listen to the archives. Go back and listen to our pastoral studies. Everything's housed there. Everything's archived the way underground.com. Go and listen. For 1995, no, that's what the fool says. It's free of charge. Free. It's there for you. And you're going to have churches with nobody with the gift of prophecy. To say, hey, there's going to be a famine. You're going to have Christians. People in the church. And they're going to be in harm's way. With no guidance. You see? No Debras. No Ehuds. No Agabuses. No daughters of Philip. None. Why? The gifts are shunned. Meanwhile, you're also going to see the falling away. Meanwhile, you're also going to see no love of truth. 
Meanwhile, you're also going to see strong delusion. You see? And what happens? In the church, the world is the world. Corinth is Corinth. What happens? The Lord becomes forgotten. Nothing new under the sun. You know, you hear us say this quite a bit of late. If you're in a church where the formula is right, very specific formula, and if you're in a fellowship where the formula is right, don't leave. We are living in very, very perilous times. It's going to get worse, much worse, much, much, much worse. And so we continue. In Judges chapter 4, verse 7. This is Deborah speaking to Barak, who has authority. Barak has authority. And you see here in verse 7, and against you, I will deploy Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army. Now, it, it, with, with his chair, remember, she's given an account. Verse, you know, it's a, it's a long question. The question ends in verse 7, but it starts, the statement starts, the, the quotes, you know, has the, not the Lord God of Israel commanded? And so you see here, you know, and, you know, the, the, uh, uh, with his chariots and his multitudes at the river Kishon, and I will deliver him into your hand. You look at verse 6. I love how her statement begins. Has not the Lord God of Israel commanded? You see, she's on the right frequency. Every vessel of the Lord, every single vessel of the Lord, male, female, young, old, is on the right frequency frequency very specific formula somebody could say oh look i'm on the right frequency let's go grave soaking wrong i'm on the right formula go ahead and take the mark of the beast you'll still be saved wrong i'm on the right frequency surely i can hear of the lord oh look god is done with israel and his promises now go from israel to the church wrong you see? Oh, I'm on the right frequency. We have 100 people in the church and 100 people speak in tongues. Nobody interprets, but 100 people speak in tongues. No, wrong, wrong frequency. Oh, I'm on the right frequency. Let's partake of the feast, the festivals, the Sabbaths. Let's do all these things. And let's perform these things of the law. Wrong, wrong frequency. Where are the Deborahs of today? Where are the Ehuds of today? You see? Look at verse 8. And Barak said to her, If you go with me, then I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. For me, this is sad and beautiful. 
sad because the Lord commanded. Verse six: Has not the Lord of the Lord God of Israel commanded? And it's sad because the Lord commanded, but the people don't know. The command was there. The Lord is there. I mean, like the people are doing evil in verse one in the sight of the Lord. The Lord is there. And they're doing evil in his sight. And when the Lord is there, his instructions are there. But nobody knows. You see, Barak, who's in a leadership capacity, and he doesn't know. The people go to Deborah. Deborah, what do we do? They don't know. Deborah, when the Lord becomes forgotten, Deborah, not on her watch. As for me, I will serve the Lord. That's what Deborah says. You see? And it's sad and beautiful because it's like, wait a second. You know, these blueprints are there. The Lord is there and the people are doing evil in his sight. His instructions, his commands are there, but they don't have ears to hear. You see? But it's so beautiful. It's sad because of, you know, nobody, nobody's on the right frequency. But it's beautiful because the Lord, the Lord raised up Deborah specifically for such a time as this. Deborah, that's my girl. You see, to my sisters in Christ, young and old, and everybody in between, I wonder what God says of you for such a time as this. That's my girl. You're, you're six years old. That's my girl. You see? You're 60 years old. That's my girl. You're 98 years old. That's my girl. I wonder. Remember Amos? I'm no prophet nor the son of a prophet. And the Lord's like, hey, you're my guy. You see? And it, I love it how the Lord works. You take Deborah here. I don't know how old she is. She might be like middle-aged. She might be like super old. She might be rather young. But I wonder, as a little girl, as a little girl, making choices, little girl, little, little girl mind, making choices that honor the Lord, making decisions that honor the Lord. And an adult might be like, oh, you know, you're just a little, you're just nothing. You know, you're not an adult like me. You're not cool like me. You're just, you know, a little kid. What can a kid do? And the Lord sees her heart. The Lord knows why she's making those choices. Because little girl, little, little, little Deborah is choosing to honor the Lord. And now you have for such a time as this. She's on the right frequency. Here in Judges 4, she's on the right frequency. But it's not reserved for Judges 4. She's been on the right frequency. It just so happens that we hear about it here in Judges 4. But she's been on the right frequency. You see? And Barak says, Sir, look, if you go with me, then I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. And it's kind of sad because... In verse 6, the Lord commanded, go and deploy troops. And then Barak is, now that he knows, okay, Deborah, you go with me. If you go, if you go with me, then I will go. But if not, 
I will not go. And it's kind of sad. And it's beautiful, yes, that Deborah's on the right frequency. But something that's also beautiful is that the very fact that she's on the right frequency, it serves as spiritual jumper cables to others who are not. It's beautiful. I love it. I love it. Because the people start to realize, they start to see, oh my goodness, the Lord is here. Oh my goodness, the Lord is with us. And so we see here in verse 9. So she said, I will surely go with you. I'm so in love with Deborah. I'm so in love with her. She doesn't say, well, you know, it's a battlefield, you know, so I don't want to go. Oh, it's too violent, so I don't want to go. You know, I'm afraid of Sisera. No. She says, let's get it on. I'm down. We're going. I will surely go with you. I love it. So she says, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, there will be no glory for you in the journey you are taking for the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. The Lord will surrender Sisera into the hand of a woman. You see, the com- this is the commander of the army of Canaan. And no glory for you. For the Lord will surrender Sisera into the hand of a woman. Then Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kadesh. Verse 10, and Barak called Zebulun and Naphtali to Kadesh. He went up with 10,000 men under his command. You see, Barak has clout here. I mean, he's always had, I'm not always, but I mean, like in this chapter, he's had clout. But he receives counsel from Deborah. And I don't say this as a shameful thing. Like, you know, the, it's so shameful that he needs a woman. It's so shameful that he needs the, the, the advice and the counsel of a woman. I don't say that. To, to, uh, it, it's not a shameful thing. A lot of husbands are stupid. A lot of husbands, oh, you know, my, my wife is a good helper to me. She keeps the house clean. My wife is a good helper to me. She changes the kids' diapers. My wife is a good helper to me. She makes me dinner. Listen, all those are replaceable. All of those are replaceable. You can get a maid and probably clean better than the wife. You can get a cook. Maybe that's the maid. Maybe she's like, you know, she does it all. And she probably cooks better than the wife. You see? All those are replaceable. And a lot of husbands are stupid. Oh, yeah, I got a good wife. And yeah, she she submits to me and she keeps the house clean. And Go back. If, if you're female and you're listening, if you're male and you're listening, if you're anybody and listening, go back and listen to our study through Titus. Titus. And you'll see. Very beautiful. The woman who was a helper to her husband. Like, I can't believe I, uh, the name escapes me. Zipporah. Zipporah, wife of Moses. The Lord God was going to kill Moses. And you have the intercession of Zipporah. You see, I don't know if Zipporah... Kept her tent super clean. 
I don't know if Zipporah was a good cook. I don't know if Zipporah changed the diapers. But Zipporah, what a tremendous help she was to her husband. You see, irreplaceable. Praise be to the Lord. Praise the Lord that we have Zipporah. Praise the Lord that we have Deborah. Consider the turn of events had there not been a Deborah here. Even for Barak here, it's so beautiful to not be prideful or arrogant. You know, like, oh, you know, like, like, you know, Deborah, like in a closed door situation, Deborah, what do I do? Deborah, what do I do? And then she tells him and then she's like, okay, we're going to do this. She, he comes out of the private, private confines and says, okay, everybody, thus saith the Lord, this is what we're going to do. Trying to, you know, take credit for, you know, when he didn't know what to do, he seeks counsel from, uh, from, uh, 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 from Deborah. And then he comes out and says, okay, this is what the Lord told me to do. No, he, it, everything's an open book. The people can see, wow, you know, Barack is getting counsel from Deborah. And Deborah's not on a high horse and be like, oh, yes, you know, look how awesome I am. No, it's for the benefit of Israel. You have Barak here who's not prideful or arrogant. You have Deborah who's not prideful and arrogant. They are both together humble before the Lord. But recognizing that Deborah has ears to hear. Deborah, I'm going to war, but I want, me, <laughs> I want you with me because you have ears to hear. You're on the right frequency, Deborah. You see, I love that because Barak here, he's... Not just recognizing, he's acknowledging his weakness, his faults. You see, Deborah as a help in this campaign, a help to him. I love it. Because you look at the church today, and a lot of women are placed in second class. My stupid, idiot pastors, idiotes, dumb pastors. They have no business at the pulpit. Have you ever been to a church? You walk into church, say you're new to town and you're like, I got to find a church. So you go to this church and you see the women there. Everybody's like, you know, like second class. It's like, what, what, what's happening here? The women, they don't want to make eye contact. You know, they kind of have their heads bowed and they're walking like they're like, like, wow. It's like, you, like they're, they're in chains. Like what, what was happening here? And then you look at the little girls, it's like they're like doing like the adult women. It's like, wow, even the like the little girls, they're like slaves. And you look at the old women and wow, they're like slaves. It's like, like, are there are, are there no Chloe's that are held in high esteem? Not in a prideful sense. Are there are there no Deborah's that are held in high esteem? Are there no Priscilla's or Lydia's Phoebe's held in high esteem? When you walk into the fellowship, it's like, whoa, these women, they're like slaves. You walk into a church like that, turn around, go out the door, leave. Wrong formula. Because in Christ, there is no male or female. In Christ. And only in Christ. According to the flesh, there is. But that's the flesh. Those are rules of engagement that we don't operate in. We don't walk according to the flesh. We walk according to the spirit. We make mistakes from time to time. Number 0% to 99.9%. .9 and along the way, you're going to have the ups and downs. You see? But we're moving on to perfection to 100%. 100% you're dead. And that's a good thing.
and Deborah here, you know, she's a partner in this battlefield, in this war, this campaign of war. Now, it is true that there will be no glory for Barak, as is written in verse 9, but as new covenant believers, I'm going to ask a question to both male and female. Who among us wants glory when all glory goes to our king? It's for Jesus. All glory is for him. And notice here in verse uh, 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 in, in verse 10, he went up with 10,000 men under his command and Deborah went up with him. Now, Heber, Heber, the Kenite of the children of Hobab, the father-in-law of Moses, had separated himself from the Kenites. Now, the Kenites, in verse 11, the Kenites were with Judah. Remember our study in Judges 1, the Kenites were with Judah. And so here in verse 11, we see some descent. Heber, he separates from the Kenites. And notice what happens here in verse 11. And, you know, he pit and pitched his tent near the terebinth tree at Zanaim, which is beside Kadesh in verse 12. And they reported to Sisera. Notice what's happening here. Not only do we see descent with Heber's tent, but they defect in their Chummy with Sisera, commander of the Canaanite army. Now remember, when God is remembered, these things would be non-factors. But when God is forgotten and the intermingling happens, what Moses says, you know, you, you remember the, the warning of Moses in Deuteronomy, the, the, the final discourse of Moses, he warns the people, listen, you are God's people. You are set apart. You are consecrated unto the Lord. You're going to go into this land, but do not partake of these peoples. You are set apart. But when God is forgotten, the intermingling happens. And in the course of time, huh? what's wrong with the Canaanites? This guy's a nice guy. This lady is a nice lady. What's wrong with the Canaanites? And it seems innocuous. But in the course of time, it's not just what's wrong with the Canaanites. Now it's what's wrong with the Canaanites, Canaanite gods. You see, it gets worse and worse. What's, what's wrong with Baal? What's wrong with Molech? You see? What's wrong with Ashtoreth? What's wrong with Ashra? Oh, you're so rigid. You're too strict. Look, surely there's these gods. We can worship gods and this and that. You see? Idolatry. That's what happens when God becomes forgotten. You say, oh, that's just the Old Testament. We don't have to worry about that anymore. Really? There is idolatry today. There is idolatry today. I meant worship Mary. That's idolatry. Worship angels. That's idolatry. Worship Buddha, that's idolatry. Crystals, idolatry. These are things that, are, that Christians do. You hear from time to time, we mention yoga. Oh, yoga, I'm just stretching the body. I just want to get loose, you know, and make my back feel good and this. But when you, when, when you look at yoga, and the kundalini spirit, which the yogis, the OG yogis, 
the kundalini spirit at the base of the spine and in performing yoga that that spirit moves up the spine and enters you get the third eye that's yoga and in yoga there is the sun salutation worship of the sun Oh, I'm just stretching. I'm just stretching. Look, I'm going to do my sun salutation. And oh, I'm going to have the kundalini spirit go from the base of my spine and, you know, give me the third eye so that I can be enlightened, spiritually enlightened. No, that's 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 not just idolatry. That's an abomination. Oh, you're too rigid. You're too hardcore. You want to do the sun salutation? You want to have a body position that's for the sun salutation, which is a form of worship under the kundalini spirit in order to get a third eye so that you can be spiritually enlightened. And then you read the Bible when the Lord shows Ezekiel elders, the priesthood that are also worshiping the sun. The worship of creation, something that is forbidden for the Christian to do. Sometimes people get mad at me. Oh, how dare you say this? I do my yoga. Well, don't do it anymore. You want to stretch? Stretch. But don't worship the sun. Don't do the the dogs and the cats and the, the kundalini and the eyes. and That's foolishness. You want to stretch? Stretch. But you want to do all this nonsense? You see, that's what happens when the Lord becomes forgotten. And you have dumb pastors. Dumb pastors. Idiotes. They don't teach God's people. They don't train God's people. You see? And you have these demons that come back and they return. And then they realize, wow, you know, this Christian's on spiritual vacation. He doesn't know how to fight. She doesn't know how to fight. And the state of that person is worse than the first. Now you have a Christian. Oh, I used to go to this church, but now I go to the Episcopal church. Now I go to the Lutheran church where I can do my yoga and I feel all good about it. And I can also do the worship Buddha. And I'm look, I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. And look, I can do Buddha. Look, I love Jesus and I can do the Ouija boards. Look, I can, I love Jesus and I can do the chakras, the crystals. You see, it gets worse and worse and worse. That's what happens when the Lord becomes forgotten. But where are the Debras of our day? You see, not on my watch. You can forget the Lord, but as for me, not on my watch. That's not happening. You see, now when the Lord raises a person for such a time as this, just like he did with Deborah in Judges 4, it's so beautiful. Because now the people can start to remember. And that's what we're going to see. The people start to remember. The Lord became forgotten. But even that is a temporal thing. Because these judges that the Lord raises... And beautiful Deborah, a judge. She's like a double whammy, double threat. Because, you know, previously it was the judge, but now you have judge and prophetess. You see? Praise be to the Lord. 
And so here you have Heber, you know, he's a Kenite. And, you know, he there's a little defection because he separated himself from the Kenites in verse 11, which was, you know, with, with, uh, 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 with Judah. And then so they report to Sisera. They go to the bad guys. And so they report to Sisera in verse 12 that Barak and the son of Abinoam had gone up to Mount Tabor. You see, they're not just defectors, but now they're giving intel to Sisera. Troop movement and location. Hey, Sisera, look, this is where Israel, this is where the armies of Israel are, you know, led by, led, led by Barak, you know, and this is where they are. They're giving troop location, troop movements. Not good. They've defected. In verse 13. So Sisera gathered together all his chariots, 900 chariots of iron, and all the people who were with him from Harosheth, Hagoyim, to the river Kishon. Remember, this is the, the, the precipice of battle here. The precipice of battle. Verse 14. Then Deborah said to Barak, up, exclamation point. <laughs> I love Deborah. I'm, I'm you know, I like tough. I like hardcore. You know, Deborah, I love her so much. She's so beautiful. When I read like Chloe, oh my goodness, I'm in love. Hannah, these are beautiful, beautiful, beautiful women. You know, beautiful women. You know, 25 years ago, if you were to ask me, you know, who are the five most beautiful girls that you know, or, you know, women, you know, that you know, You'd think I was a freak show, and I was a freak show. But today, if you, who are the five most beautiful women that you know? You would think I'm blind. Every single one of you, like, what? I ask you who the most beautiful female is, and you say it's her and her and her and her. Are you blind? Listen, when you walk by faith, and you're... A new creation in Christ. The Lord gives you a new heart, a new mind. There's a new way of thinking. There's a new way of seeing. Where I thought Stephen was like the biggest chicken in the Bible. And I've repented of that. He's my hero. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful man of God. Because I can see his humility. And a lot of women today, I don't want to come down on the women, but a lot of women can't see this way. And I don't blame the women, but I want to know who in the world are the pastors? Because the pastors should be teaching. The so-called pastors should be teaching. The so-called pastors should be equipping to where women, they don't have to be second class. Women don't have to be like, you know, the, the, the slave class in a church or the slave class in a home. Not above husband, not below husband, not in front of husband, not behind, behind husband, but right beside him. A helper. Oh, she's a good helper. She cleans the house. She's a good helper. She cooks good. She's a good helper. She changes diapers. That's replaceable. That's replaceable. And you could probably get better. Pay somebody to cook a lot better. Pay somebody to clean a lot better. You see, pay somebody to nanny. All that's replaceable. But a biblical helper? 
That's irreplaceable. You see? But you got these stupid men. Oh, look at me. I'm a warrior for Christ. I'm a warrior for Christ. No. If the formula's not right, go home. If the formula's not right, you cannot go to battle. Why? Because you're aching. Wrong formula. And if you go to battle, you're a liability. And you're not just a liability, but as a liability, you're going to cause casualties. So go home and, and get right with the Lord. But if the Lord asks me, hey, you know, assemble, assemble, you know, assemble a platoon, assemble a squad, you know, and you're going to do some like hardcore combat, spiritually speaking. It would be a whole lot of women, a whole lot of women, majority old. And like two guys. <laughs> and I don't blame the women. But I want to know who the pastors are. Because the majority, they have no business at the pulpit. Because you have women that don't know this. You have men that don't know this. You have men who treat their wives and men who treat other women like they're second class. Which is foolishness. And that type of Christian is unequipped for the fight to come. Because the fight to come, it's going to be fierce. It's going to be severe. And there will be a lot of casualties. Don't forget the falling away. Not only is it prophesied, but Jesus says it's going to be so bad that no flesh will be saved. That's what Jesus says. No flesh will be saved. And he says, unless those days be shortened. You see? That's how fierce the battle is going to be. Deborah here. She said to Barak, up! Exclamation point. You see? She's ready. She's ready for war. She's ready for the fight. And she's raised up by God for such a time as this. This is before the battle. Notice what she says in verse 14. Up, for this is the day in which the Lord has delivered Sisera into your hand. Has not the Lord gone out before you? So Barak went down from Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. Now, now look at Barak. His leadership, he is a leader. His leadership is buttressed and aided by Deborah. And you know, this is so beautiful because you also see the humility of Deborah and the humility of Barak together. He didn't get on a high horse and neither did she. You see, I love that. I love that. We see in verse 15. And the Lord routed Sisera or disturbed Sisera. Now see, a lot of people say, oh, the battle belongs to the Lord. The battle belongs to the Lord, which is understandable. But remember formula. Because for Israel, when the formula was wrong, God strengthened Eglon and not Israel. God strengthened the enemies of Israel. Remember Judges chapter 3 verse 12? You figure, okay, look, the, the battle belongs to the Lord. But biblically, when the formula was wrong in Israel, God strengthened the enemies of Israel. Judges chapter 3 verse 12. God strengthened Eglon. 
to come against Israel. He didn't strengthen Israel. So a blanket statement of, oh, the battle belongs to the Lord. The battle belongs to the Lord. Listen, the formula has got to be right. When the formula is right, there are things that the Lord does. They vary, but it's the hand of God. You see, Israel did evil in the sight of God and God became forgotten. But through a judge, the other judges were judges, but this is a judge who's also a prophetess. I love Deborah. A beautiful female. This isn't male. A good male. You see, Deborah, female. And she did not forget the Lord. When everybody else did, she did not forget, and she knew the blueprints. She was on the right frequency. And look at God's hand here. And so verse 15, the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and all his army with the edge of the sword before Barak. And Sisera alighted from his chariot and fled away on foot. So Sisera gets off his chariot and flees on foot. Alighted here translates as he fell down, he dismounted. Either way, he's on foot, no chariot. No chariot. So he's on foot, foot pursuit. Walmart for him. Verse 16, I mean, for him, like he's on foot. But Barak pursued the chariots and the army as far as, as, far as Harosheth Hagoyim and the army of Sisera and all the army of Sisera fell by the edge of the sword. Not a man was left. Where are the oppressors now? Where are the oppressors now? Remember they were oppressed? Israel was oppressed. But where are the oppressors now? You see what happens when the Lord, when the battle indeed belongs to the Lord? Notice, not a man was left. And so, for a moment, think about Barak. He wasn't on the right frequency to hear the Lord. Deborah was. And do you see how Deborah herself was like a jumper cable to Barak? And this is what's so beautiful, among other things, about the body of Christ. How faith of one can buttress another. Remember the rugby match from our study in the book of Romans? Remember the rugby match? You take the faith, you take somebody who's a brand new Christian, a Christian for two weeks, a baby believer, and it's not for the mature or the deadly Christian, the good deadly. It's not for them to say, oh, you're just a baby. Get out of here. You're just a little pipsqueak. No. But for there to be unity within the body so that the baby Christian, two-week-old, can see and witness with his own eyes, with her own eyes, what maturity looks like. You see? The older women helping the younger women. The older men helping the younger men. You see? No leaven. leaven. Remember how Paul... When the, the saints in Corinth, he didn't say, well, you guys are unbelievers. No, he's, he called them saints. Babies, you guys are saints, but you're babies. And picture that when Paul says your rejoicing isn't good. You know how many Christians would get mad at Paul today? If there were a Paul today, you know how many Christians would be mad at him? How dare you say that of us, Paul? Look, we're gathering here. 
We worship and we love the Lord and we want to worship and we want to rejoice together. How dare you say this, Paul, when Paul says, listen, your rejoicing isn't a good thing. How could it not be a good thing? It is not a good thing when the formula is not right. It is not a good thing when inside the church you have the leaven. So Paul says, okay, separate from the leaven. Separate from the works of the flesh. This guy wants to do his sex for three years. This guy wants to do his extortion for three years. This lady wants to do her alcohol for three years. This lady wants to do her extortion for three years. Okay. They made their choice. Ball was in their court. Now the ball's in your court. Remnant, separate. You see? Separate. They want they want to submit to the defunct pastor. Okay. Remnant, no longer submit to the defunct. Let me teach you. Let's go over this again. You see? And for the mature Christian, not to shun the younger Christian. Remember the rugby match? And faith can buttress the faith of another to where a baby Christian who's new in the faith, understanding that faith can grow. Faith itself can also grow along with maturity so that faith can grow deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper in the Lord. For Deborah, think how she was influenced by Ehud. I mean, depending on age, I don't know specifics of age, but what if she was a little girl when Ehud was serving as judge? What if she was like a teenager when Ehud was serving as judge? And Ehud, his walk and his service unto the Lord and his stand for the Lord and in the Lord as influence unto Deborah. You see? And Israel again did evil, but Deborah convinced. No, I'm serving the Lord. If they want to do their crazy town, okay, it's going to break my heart, but I'm serving the Lord. Ball's in their court. They make their choice, but I'm making my choice. As for me, I'm serving the Lord. You see, I love that. And I love how Barak, you don't see the pride. You don't see pride or arrogance in Barak. You don't see pride and arrogance in, in Deborah. In both, you see humility. And you see Barak serving as leader. He was leader. But you see him serving and having this victory. But victory given the blueprints of the Lord, the command of the Lord by Deborah. She's on the right frequency. And how her rightness is helping not just Barak as leader, but Israel as God's people. You see? And not a man was left in verse 16. Not a man was left. However, in verse 17, Sisera had fled away on foot to the tent of Yael. Yael. Now, not a man was left in verse 16, but we see Sisera was left. So, you know, one survivor, the sole survivor, Sisera, commander of the army of Canaan. Where's the army of Canaan? 
Not a man was left. So you have Sisera. And she fled away on foot to the tent of Yael, the wife of Heber, the Kenite. So remember, Heber, he's the guy who was giving Sisera intel on Israel's troop movement. Remember verse 11 and 12? You know, he left Judah as, as a Kenite. He left Judah. And so he aligned himself not just to Sisera, but also to Jabin. And so we see here in verse 17, the wife of, you know, Yael, she's the wife of Heber, the Kenite. And he defected and was giving intel to Sisra against Israel. He was giving intel on their tro Israel's troop movements. And so he says, for there was peace between Jebin, king of Hazor, and the house of Heber the Kenite. You see, peace. Peace is, peace is thought to be a good thing. And it's understandable, completely understandable. Peace is thought to be a good thing. But what kind of peace? What kind of peace? I mean, let's be straight up. Peace on whose terms? I mean, you take a... You take a Nazi prison guard. And you see, okay, Nazi prison guard, he's at home. He's at home. And, you know, he kisses his wife and kisses his kids. And he has a nice meal. And you think, oh, wow, there, there's peace. There's peace. They go to bed. They sleep. Nazi prison guard wakes up. Kisses his wife, you know, kisses his kids. Okay, wow, they have breakfast, scrambled eggs, and wow, everything's nice. He says, bye-bye, I'm off to work. Bye, family, I'm off to work. Bye, wife, bye, kids, I'm off to work now. And what does he do? He's burning Jews. That's his work. He's burning Jewish people. He's burning God's people. You see? He's burning this lineage of Jacob. He's burning them. But there was peace in the home. He was such a nice guy. Nice family guy. But peace on whose terms? Peace as defined by who? And I don't mean to be so point blank about this. But there is a coming peace. Which will seem good. But it's satanic. It's a false peace. Very few will recognize it as false peace. And to come against that peace that is coming, which is false, to come against that peace, that's like a death sentence. Real peace? Biblical peace? The lasting peace? It only comes from the Prince of Peace. Only. And I speak of a peace in the mind, in the heart, in the soul, because it's rightness with God. That's real peace. To be right with God, that's real peace. You see? You look at Heber here, the, 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 the tent and the household of Heber, the Kenite, 
And you look at verse 17, look, there's, there's peace between him and Jabin, king of Hazor. Canaanite. And then there's peace, which seems good. There's no fighting. Seems good. But peace on whose terms? What kind of peace? What alliance is formed? And is that alliance against God? Is that alliance against Christ? Is that alliance anti-Christ? Notice what happens here in verse 18. And Yael, she's Heber's wife. And Yael went out to meet Sisera and said to him, Turn aside, my Lord, turn aside to me. Do not fear. So it translates in the Hebrew, like, you know, come inside, you know. Sisera, come inside. Come inside. Turn aside to me. Don't fear. Don't be afraid. Come inside. Remember, Heber has peace with Jebin, the wife of Yael, you know, Heber and Yael are husband and wife. Heber has defected against Israel and has given intel to Sisera. Sisera is on the run now. He's fleeing. He's the only survivor of the army. He's commander, but he's commander of zero because they're all dead. He's the sole survivor. And Heber, who made peace with Jabin and peace with Sisera is given intel to Sisera against Israel. And his wife, Heber's wife, Yael, says, hey, come inside. And verse 18, and when he had turned aside with her into the tent, she covered him with a blanket. So Sisera is a fugitive at this point. She concealed him with a blanket. So notice, Sisera. The sole survivor of the army. Everybody's dead. Everybody's been killed by the armies of Israel. The, the Israel who's led by uh, Barak, but given blueprints by Deborah. And Deborah's stand in the Lord has served as an aid to Israel and is buttressing that of Barak as jumper cables and ultimately to Israel. You see, who now has victory over the oppressors when the Lord starts to become remembered again. You see? But meanwhile, you have this sole survivor, Sisera, and He's in her house now, in Yael's house. Well, it's Heber's house, but Yael's the, the wife. And so, you know, come, come inside, you know. And so he went inside to the tent. In, in verse 18, he, he went and turned aside with her into the tent. She covered him with the blanket. So she's harboring a fugitive. In verse 19, then he said to her, please give me a little water to drink for I am thirsty. So she opened up a jug of milk, gave him a drink, and covered him. So he asked for water. But he gets no water. He asked for water. He gets milk. And Yael conceals him. In verse 20. And he said to her, Stand at the door of the tent, and if any man comes and inquires of you, and says, Is there any man here? 
You shall say no. So picture this. Sisera, he's a fugitive. And Yael is, at this point, harboring a fugitive. And Sisera is covered. He's, he's concealed under a blanket. And he's giving instruction to Yael. So his, his, his body is covered. So, you know, you know his body is covered, but you can hear his voice. So, like, he's, he's, he's covered under the blanket. And, you know, you know hey, Yael, if, 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 if anybody says, if anybody comes to the house and says, you know, everybody comes to the tent and says, you know, is there any man here? Tell him no. Remember, he's, he's in the tent of Heber. Heber, who's at peace with Canaan, at peace with Sisera, at peace with Jabin. He's in the house of a friend. He's in the tent of a friend. You see? After all, Heber has made peace with the Canaanites. Heber has made peace with Jabin, and Heber has given intel valuable precious intel about Israel's troop movements and he's speaking to Yael Heber's wife under a blanket you know tell him no tell him no if they ask for you if anybody inquires tell him no then Yael in verse 21 Heber's wife took a tent peg and took a hammer in her hand and went softly to him notice silently translates in the Hebrew as went Silently to him. Notice Yael. She's swift. She's silent. And we're about to see she's very deadly. So Yael, she took a tent peg. She took a hammer in her hand and went softly to him. And drove the peg into his temple. Now some translations say temple as plural. So temples. In one side of the head and right through the other side. And notice, and it went down into the ground in verse 21. Whoa. For he was fast asleep and weary. Remember, no refrigerators in those days. No refrigeration in those days. So he asked for water to drink. He got no water. What does Yael do? Hey, how about this nice warm milk? And then... How about you rest your little head right over here? You see, her husband, Heber, her husband had peace with Jabin, with Sisera, and Canaan. As for her, her peace is elsewhere and not with her husband. You see? Oh, but... A good wife is supposed to submit to her husband. No, a dumb wife submits to a dumb husband. A good wife submits to the better husband, capital H. You see? Submission unto Jesus Christ. Picture this. If, if Yael was in complete submission to her husband, you see, what would be said of Sisera? Sisera, at this point, he's dead. Look at verse 21. So he died. You see? Swift, silent, deadly. You see? Tent peg, hammer, head into the ground. That's hardcore. I like Yael. <laughs> I like Yael. We see in verse 22. And then, as Barak pursued Sisera, Yael came out to meet him and said to him, 
Come, I will show you the man whom you seek. And when he went into her tent, there lay Sisera, dead with a peg in his temple. You see? Well, don't forget, that peg, it's in his temple on one side, but the other side, it's in the earth. Remember verse 21? It went into the ground. Little disclaimer here to my beautiful sisters in Christ. You know, <laughs> observe Israel according to the flesh. You know, the, our fight is not carnal. You know, the, the disclaimer, but like, you know, the major warning here. You know, don't, don't do our fight. This is the flesh. This is, this is Yael according to the flesh. And the rules of engagement in the Old Testament according to the flesh. You and me today, we are new covenant believers. New covenant. Remember, if you've been walking with us for a while, you remember our study in Hebrews? That's like, you know, Fallujah and Haiti. You see, this is Fallujah. Here in Judges, Fallujah. You know, New Covenant, Haiti. You see, different rules of engagement. Same Lord, same commander, different rules of engagement for the theater of war. You see, our fight is not carnal. So, no tent pegs for my beautiful sisters in Christ. No warm milk, no tent pegs, you know, no hammers, you know, just our fight is spiritual. You see, rules of engagement, you know, very important. Same Lord, same commander, but very specific rules of engagement. So you're in Haiti and you operate like you're in Fallujah, you're in the wrong. You're in Fallujah and you operate like you're in Haiti, you're in the wrong. You see, we have to understand covenants, the two covenants. And not that we can pick and choose where, you know, I want to be in the old covenant. No, until the seed, remember, the seed is here. The seed has died. The seed has risen. The fruit, behold, the fruit, praise be to the Lord. The same mindset, same mindset for the warrior. I mean, for my sisters in Christ, you know, no hammers, no tent pegs, no temples, no earth. But the same mindset, the same mind of the warrior. The same obedience to our commander, capital C. His name is Jesus. Zipporah, she had the warrior mindset. Deborah, I mean, if we're to, like a little checklist, Zipporah, check. You see, Deborah, check. Hannah, check. Mary, check. You see, Lydia, check. Chloe, check. Phoebe, click, uh, check. You know, it's, I love it. And then you have stupid men. Oh, women, you're second class. Stupid pastors, idiotes pastors. And they willfully and woefully forget that in Christ, there is no male nor female. You see? Notice. Sisera, dead. Verse 23, So on that day, God subdued, subdued Jabin, king of Canaan, in the presence of the children of Israel. You see, Israel, they had forgotten God. And now they see his hand. They can't see his hand, and they do see his hand. And we see how God subdued Jabin. As it says in verse 23, God subdued Jabin. In their presence. Now, what's more, 
They have Barack as leader, yes. But you know who really shine here in Judges chapter 4? The women. The beautiful women here. Deborah and Yael. Straight up warriors. And I love it. I love it so much. I mean, I'm kind of at a mix. You know, I love Deborah, but wow, I love your L. You know, it's like, well, I love your L, but wow, I love Deborah. It's kind of like, you know, like, whoa. And then you look at Chloe, you look at uh, Phoebe, Priscilla, and even Paul had to remind the saints in, in, in Romans. Remember in the book of Romans, you know, like, listen, Phoebe, do what she says. She's with me. I wonder if Roman, the, the church in Rome, if they had a little male complex. Oh, she's a woman, you know, Phoebe, she's female. So, you know, we can't, you know, she has no authority. Listen, she's not authority. She's not serving as pastor. You know, Paul has to tell him, like, she's with me. Whatever she says, do it. Make accommodation for her and accommodate her because she's doing this work unto the Lord. And you know what? She's with me. You see, covering, always male. The women straight up shine here. In Judges 4. It's beautiful. And to my sisters in Christ, I say this again. Let no one despise your youth. Let no one despise your oldness. And let no one despise your sex. No one. You stand firm in the Lord and you stand. And you fight. The good fight. You know, no tent, no tent pegs, no hammers. You know, no temples, no earth. You know, that's that, that's Fallujah. We're Haiti. New covenant. But the warrior mindset, the mindset, the behaviors of the warrior is the same. Obedience to our commander, capital C, Jesus Christ. You see? In verse 24, in closing, and the hand of the children of Israel grew stronger and stronger against Jabin, king of Canaan, until they had destroyed Jabin, king of Canaan. You see, there's a very specific formula for victory. A very, I mean, you look at the beginning when Jabin, when Canaan, they, they were the oppressors. Where are they now? Armies, gone. Commander, gone. Jabin, destroyed. You see? I mean, commander, you know, tent peg in the head. Where are they now? Tent peg in the head by beautiful female. Yeah, L. Dumb husband. He made peace with the wrong people. He made peace with the wrong side. He made his choice, but Yael, give me some water. I'm thirsty. Oh, you know what? How about this nice glass of milk? Drink this nice glass of milk and you see this nice little comfy spot right here? See this nice little, you know, fluffy pillow? Just put your head right here and I'll cover you. Boom, nice little concealing. Swift, silent, very deadly. That's the warrior. That's the warrior. Again, a very specific formula for victory in all our ways and for all our days. May we honor the Lord.
to the beautiful people of the way, a remnant of these last days. God bless you. I love you.